Al Jazeera podcast. A deal to pause the war in Gaza for four days. Israeli women and children held captive by Hamas will be exchanged for Palestinian women and children detained in Israeli jails. So what's next? A return to war as Israel warns or could an end be in sight? I'm Fully Batibo and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's now bring in our guests. Joining us from Haifa in Israel is Diana Butu, a Palestinian lawyer and former legal advisor to the Palestine Liberation Organization. She was involved in previous negotiations with the Israeli government. In Geneva, Sultan Barakat, professor of public policy at Hamad bin Khalifa University in Doha, who's been following the negotiations very closely. And from our studio in London, Yossi Meckelberg, an associate fellow at Chatham House, who specializes in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Thank you all for joining us on Inside Story. Diana, let me start with you. A four-day humanitarian pause. It's a truce, not a ceasefire. Is this a positive step? Look, any any uh, block of Israeli bombs, the stopping of Israeli bombs, is a good thing. That's not the problem. The problem is the bigger picture, which is that Israeli the Israeli army is going to remain in the Gaza Strip. They've already indicated that people won't be able to get back to the north, which means effectively ethnic cleansing. And it doesn't mean that, that we've addressed the root causes. So it's always good for Israeli bombs to, to stop being dropped on the heads of Palestinians, in particular Palestinian children. But I think we need to look deeper and broader than that and start looking at what it is that Israel is intending to do, which is to simply ethnically cleanse the Gaza Strip. And that is the part that needs to stop. All right. Let me get your thoughts, uh, Yossi. How do you view, view this temporary truce and what could it lead to? Yeah, first of all, I agree with Diana that it's stopping, stopping the, the, the hostility, stopping the, the, the bombardment. And it's, it's a positive thing. So releasing the hostages, the prisoners, this is, this is a, a step forward. And we assume that by establishing, establishing communication, a mediated agreement, it's, it's one step forward until there is eventually a, a complete and a permanent uh, ceasefire. And then we're obviously looking into the future uh, of, of the Gaza Strip and all and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And, uh, yeah, we need to look at the, at the bigger picture. But uh, I think it's almost inevitable that by the end of the, the four days of, of, of ceasefire or pause of humanitarian pause, the hostilities will resume. So I think already now it's important you... to those who mediated mediated disagreement to look also some more humanitarian poses, more exchange of hostages for prisoners, and as quickly as possible uh, to establish a more permanent ceasefire. And even this deal, Yossi, uh, do you think it's a done deal, or are there complications that could arise in the next day or two? The situation is very fragile, so there could be always last-minute hitches or events that can, can derail an agreement. But as far as, as I understand, when both sides agree and the mediators uh, agree that this is going to happen uh, 10, time, uh, 10, uh, 10 uh, in the morning tomorrow, it seems that we as, as done deal as, as, as possible. 
but again, the situation on the ground is so fragile that things can, can last minutes change, but let's hope this is not the case. Not the case. So a fragile situation, and you'll see both you and Diana say this is a step forward, but not enough, and we need to look at the root causes, of course. Sultan, let me come to you and ask you your thoughts about this truce that was agreed. A huge diplomatic effort has, of course, gone into uh, the, achieving this deal. They've been in talks uh, mediated by the Qataris, who have played a central role in this for weeks now. But as Yossi said, it seems extremely fragile. Can this deal be extended beyond the four or five days that they've agreed to? Could this pause possibly lead to a lasting ceasefire? Let me just uh, start by saying that this is important breakthrough, I think. It, uh, it is important in that it will provide the Palestinians with a badly needed respite. Uh, following uh, almost now eight weeks of uh, continuous uh, indiscriminate bombardment of the Gaza Strip. Uh, it is important also because it has, it can potentially change the narrative of the discussion around the relationship or the conflict between Israel and Palestine. For Hamas to be able to get prisoners in Israeli jail uh, traded against some of the hostages, I think is quite significant. It has nothing to do with the ceasefire. It's nothing, nothing to do with this particular conflict. It illustrates that this is a longer-term issue and that there has been uh, a, a long-standing uh, practice by Israelis of practically taking Palestinian hostages. Those women and children that are going to be released by Israel, the majority of whom, of them, have not been tried. And there's no real reason for them to be captured by the Israelis. Nevertheless, they've spent considerable amount of time in Israeli jail. And this is a point that Hamas has been making from the very beginning. In addition to the fact that uh, for them, they having tried the Israelis over a number of a number of times over the last 20 years or so, they understand that Israel uh, reacts only to this logic of exchange of hostages. And this is one of the reasons why Hamas, I think, went into uh, Israel on the 7th uh, of October. Yeah. Now, is it likely to continue? I think there is a little hope that it can be built upon and it can be extended, partly because, as our colleague just said, it has established direct contact, uh, partly because uh, the United States has really drawn a line, I think. Uh, they've given Israel quite a lot of time uh, compared to previous uh, attacks and wars in Gaza to try and prove their point that the headquarters of Hamas is under uh, the Shifa hospital and that within a limited amount of damage, they can uproot the, uh, the resistance. Mm. Now, 12,000 people uh, killed uh, eight weeks later, and they could do uh, neither. They haven't right. been able to provide any concrete evidence, and they have not uh, finished Hamas. And this is this seems to be now the uh, safe, the best or the safest way forward for for both sides. How were they able to get across the line after weeks and weeks of negotiations? What changed? I think what is what has happened is that uh, uh, the changing factor really has been. Uh, the Americans' patience with the Israelis is running out. They have given them uh, more than enough time to complete their mission. And it's clearly the mission, as declared, the objective, as declared by Netanyahu on the 7th of October, is unachievable. He cannot simply uh, finish Hamas as a resistance movement and cannot release the, uh, the hostages. In addition to that, uh, the fact that almost 60 of the, of the Israeli hostages have been killed by Israeli bombardment 
has meant that time is of, of, is of an essence here. The longer this bombardment uh, goes on, the more difficult it is for the Palestinians to protect the hostages. Uh, they are living um, amongst themselves. In fact, uh, they're all over the Gaza Strip, as I understand it. And uh, one of the conditions of the ceasefire is to allow the Palestinians to connect with each other mm -hmm. in order to identify and locate the hostages and mobilize them without aerial surveillance from the Israelis. This is a, a point that may have not been noticed by uh, observers, uh, people observing this. Right. But uh, again, the, uh, the um, ceasefire includes also uh, a stop or a pause with, with aerial, uh, with air operations in Gaza. Right. Okay, Diana, let me ask you, because Sultan said that this could be built upon. And uh, do you see here an opportunity to add to this existing agreement uh, without having to renegotiate something new? You talked about other issues that need to be, uh, the broader issues that need to be addressed. So how can they build upon what they've agreed here to address these broader issues? Look, I, I agree very much with Sultan, which is to say that a respite is obviously much needed because the, the nearly eight weeks of devastation of the Gaza Strip has got to come to an end. And at the same time, I think that the world is recognizing that, that there is no military solution. Uh, as much as Israel has tried to project itself as having a military goal, it doesn't have a military goal. Its, its goal has been, and it's stated it very clearly, which is to ethnically cleanse the Gaza Strip and to carry out a mass killing of Palestinians in Gaza. So to, to build upon it is possible, but it requires that the world step back and not continue to give Israel a carte blanche, the ability to move on ahead and to continue to bomb Gaza. Mm. The Israelis made a number of claims throughout this attack on the Gaza Strip, including some of the ones that, uh, that Sultan has already mentioned. But most importantly, throughout all of these claims that they've made, they've never been able to substantiate any of them. And I think now it's imperative for the world to step back, recognize that Israel has spent all of these weeks lying and perpetrating these mass crimes, and now is the time for them to step in and to make sure that, that actually civilians, Palestinians in particular, are protected. How can they do this? They can do this by doing simple things like making sure that, that Israel doesn't get allowed to use U.S. weaponry. They can do this by starting to demand that Palestinian liberation come. Uh, they can do this by putting sanctions on Israel for everything that it's been doing in the West Bank as well. This isn't just an attack on the Gaza Strip. They can do this in, in a wide number of ways, but right. it requires the world to step back and actually say, time is now, we can't continue to watch another genocide take place. So, so there needs to be massive pressure on Israel, is what you, you seem to say, Diana. And I'll ask you about this pressure and the U.S. role here in just a moment. But I want to come to Yossi first to try and understand what's happening within Israel right now. As Diana mentioned and said, she says there's no military solution. But the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has clearly said that he has no intention of stopping this war, that the bombing and the fighting will resume in four or five days uh, as soon as this truce ends. At the same time, there are promises that are being given to the families of the captives in Israel that Israel will seek to release more of them. Isn't there a bit of a contradiction there? And what kind of pressure do you think this creates uh, on Israel when they want to restart the attacks on four or five days? Yeah, and I think there is a contradiction. And if you pay attention to the exact, when Netanyahu set the objective, to begin with was destroying Hamas came first before, under pressure, the release of hostages. 
And obviously there is a contradiction between the two. Now they agreeing to this ceasefire or the, the, the pause in, 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 the, in the hostilities is under pressure. And I don't think it's only a U.S. pressure. It's actually more domestic pressure by the families of the hostages and those who support them, and many of them within the Israeli society, they put pressure on Netanyahu to put the, 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 the release of, of the hostages uh, first. I'm not so sure that Israel has a, has, has a clear and a coherent uh, doctrine or policy or approach to, uh, towards Gaza. Even if it looks like this, and maybe sometimes it, it, it sounds like this from, from the rhetoric that, that coming from Netanyahu and, and his allies. Because of the nature of how it's all uh, started, obviously there was a completely different approach on the 6th of October towards Gaza, assuming that it was status quo in this situation of, of putting, of uh, imposing a blockade can, can last forever, as long as Hamas would like to, to govern the place. So they are making it as, as, as they go. And I think the level of killing, which is unacceptable, and I think most of us agree that it's, it's unacceptable, has more to do with the way they conduct the war uh, on, and against against Hamas, yeah. yet. But and how is that being viewed in Israel? The way. There is, sorry there is, to interrupt you. If I just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought, and I'll ask you afterwards. It, yeah, it's 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 of course the, the destroying Hamas is a kind of an abstract. It's it's it, it's it's a war, but it's not something which is achievable in the sense that it sounds that Hamas will just disappear either as a, as, as a military force and definitely as a political and ideological. Right? So at a certain point, you need to move into the political arena. Right. And, and so then how is the conduct of the war being viewed in Israel? There was consensus uh, in the beginning and uh, until very recently, uh, an agreement uh, of Netanyahu's policy and, and uh, you know, what they're doing. But you say there's growing domestic pressure to release the hostages. W what is the opinion, public opinion, uh, like in Israel today about the war and the way it's conducted? But it's interesting because at the same time, both exist in public opinion. One, they would like to see the release of footages, which, which is natural. But at the same time, in some survey, majority of Israel thinks that the IDF hasn't used enough military power. Again, when many of us think the overuse of and disproportionate use of, of, of military power, uh, the anger, and, and, and we need to understand the anger what happened after, on, the, on the 7th of October and the atrocity by Hamas, it's so ingrained right now in the Israeli society. It's between anger and fear and mm -hmm. want to revenge. And this will take time to, to subside. Whether, and, and, and I think this is what the international involvement is important, that's to put this to a stop, because they need to move as quickly as possible into dealing with it politically and not militarily. All right, Sultan, let's talk about the international involvement that Yossi mentioned there. The U.S., the Biden administration, has a lot riding on this truce, this deal. Are there any signs, you think, that he, the Biden administration, will push Israel to not resume the war as Netanyahu wants to in four or five days? Is, there, is that pressure going to come from the U.S., you think? I hope so. I think the only country that can place uh, uh, sufficient pressure or effective pressure on Israel now is the United States. And as I said before, uh, the United States has given Israel ample time to complete this mission based on its declared objective. That did not work. In addition to that, of course, recently intelligence reports from Israel have surfaced that claims that uh, many of those killed on the Israeli side on the 7th of October were killed also by Israeli forces, and they were not necessarily killed by Hamas, as the story was first uh, revealed. So uh, add that to the 
uh, unacceptable numbers of civilians being murdered in uh, Gaza, and uh, the patience of, of international community in general, and I think particularly within the U.S., is running out, supported by uh, a lot of uh, growing uh, uh, opposition from Jewish uh, Americans who are uh, increasingly declaring not in our name uh, they want they would like to see an end to this mm -hmm. so the atmosphere i think is is leading towards the escalation of some sort the difficulty is whether the two sides can commit to what's in the agreement today over the coming few days and and this is still to be seen yeah. but i personally suspect that there will be interpretation to the fine text in the agreements. Israel most likely will not cease fire across the whole of uh, Gaza Strip. It will, it will maybe uh, stop from, the, from certain zones that uh, it declares as a safe, safety zones. Uh, Israel will very likely increase its attacks in the West Bank mm -hmm. and try and round up more and more prisoners uh, from uh, Hamas and uh, any, any, any sympathizers with Hamas from the West Bank. And uh, uh, meanwhile, the international community is likely to rush into uh, Gaza with the humanitarian assistance. Right. And what would really make a difference is whether the international community sends in international staff. It's very important not to rely only on Palestinian national staff to deliver the assistance. International staff of ICRC, various NGOs, uh, and UN agencies should be back with the aid in Gaza, both for accountability right. to ensure and to assure Israel that the aid is not reaching Hamas, but more importantly, I think, to provide a layer of protection to the uh, Palestinian civilians in Gaza. Uh, Diana uh, Sultan said there that patience in the U.S. is running out. But is it necessarily running out uh, from the point of view of the Biden administration? Do you think they will exert more pressure on Israel to use this truce uh, in order to further de-escalate and perhaps uh, lead to a lasting uh, ceasefire? Do you think there's appetite for that right now in the Biden administration? I would like to hope so, but I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I say this because the Biden administration gave Israel the green light from the from the from the very beginning, and not just gave it the green light, but even as we've seen this uh, the the death toll, as we've seen 14,000 Palestinians killed, almost half of them children, that the Biden administration has barely been able to utter a word of condemnation or to tell call for the word ceasefire. In fact, it's been the opposite. Look, I do hope that these pauses will then become much more regularized, where it becomes a situation where, because there is a pause, people get used to the pause, and this pressure is allowed to, to be exerted on Israel. But I fear that in, in this first pause, uh, depending on, on what's going to happen in the North, is simply going to be followed by more and more violence. And the reason I say this is that Netanyahu knows that his political future is over. It's right. over the minute that those uh, captives come home because of the fact that people inside Israel have blamed him for what happened on October the 7th, whether it's right wing or left wing. So it is totally in his interest to continue. And I don't see that the United States is going to get into a row uh, with, with, uh, with Israel at this point in time. Yossi, your thoughts about what Diana just said there. Do you think this pause in fighting changes the political dynamic for Netanyahu? I think the, the, the framework of the Israeli political system changed on October 7 completely. And Netanyahu's political career is on borrowed time from it, and the, the time is ticking. 
And I think when it comes this far, now, there is the danger, that which I agree with, with Diana, that uh, he has almost an interest in prolonging uh, the war to, to save his own, own, own skin. But this is, this is uh, at the end of the day for him, it's a short term. I think, actually, the, the, the international pressure is mounting. I see we see changes in the way, also, whether it's President uh, Biden or Secretary of State Blinken and others express themselves and show concern. Now they need to translate this concern into, in, into pressure to right. uh, ceasefire. But we also need to remember just one thing, is that ceasefire is something we need it and we need it now, but at the same time to ensure that what Hamas did on 7th of October will never happen again too, and then move on towards something that will ensure that Israel and Palestinians can live in peace together. Right. What, what leverage do the Americans have today, uh, Yossi, on, on the Netanyahu government? What would it take for the Israelis to prolong this truce into a more lasting ceasefire? The Americans have all the leverage they, 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 they wish. If they want to call for a ceasefire, and then also they, they also understand what happened on the ground in terms uh, the objectives of the war. So at a certain point, they need to also inform the White House that this just prolongs the war, but without getting any closer to the declared objective of destroying Hamas while killing uh, many civilians in, in the process. But the United States, in its relation with uh, with Israel, if it wants to stop the war, it can stop the war. Your thoughts about what uh, Yossi just said there, Sultan, uh, the U.S., if it wants Israel to stop this war, will stop it. And, and where do you think we head next, four or five days of truth? And then what? How, how can it be prolonged? Well, assuming that uh, the truth will hold and the uh, hostages will be released safely, I think the release of uh, those children and, and women will increase the appetite within Israel to release the remaining hostages, not in the transactional, simplistic way that Netanyahu put it, you know, 10 per day and all that stuff. I don't think that is likely to happen. But what it, it will do, it will focus people's mind on the, uh, the important aspect of all this, and that is the sanctity of all human lives, be it Palestinians or Israelis. And uh, hopefully, the, uh, this, will, this message will uh, make it to the uh, American uh, administration. Uh, although I agree with Diana, but uh, to be honest, um, Israel will not have come to the ceasefire, or Netanyahu would not have come to this pose if it wasn't for the pressure by the, uh, placed on him by the United States. Uh, the United States uh, uh, must feel now incredibly isolated and, and uh, embarrassed by the position it's taking vis-a-vis uh, -vis the conflict in, in Gaza. Okay. Uh, what can happen next? Yeah, briefly, Sorry. if you can, Sultan. Go ahead, briefly. Now, I, I, I suspect that if this is successful, uh, as I was saying, people will try and build on it. Uh, Hamas uh, must uh, take certain action to uh, ensure uh, to the world that uh, it will not be confronting Israel the way it did in the past. Uh, but I don't think the Israeli objective of uh, uprooting Hamas totally is achievable. And yeah. in fact, if you look at the numbers and the history, yeah. uh, numbers of those killed, if we were assumed for every person, innocent person killed, one person is radicalized, then we are likely to be facing a much more radical movement that will come to uh, exist in the aftermath of Hamas, if Hamas, okay. if Hamas finishes. Diana, all right.
Uh, Diana, a quick one for you. This is the, f the final uh, one uh, today. You have the last word, Diana. Uh, as we so heard from uh, Yossi, there's no clear policy, it seems, from the Israelis, no clear uh, approach to Gaza. What happens next then after these four or five days? What, what is the plan for Israel and, and the international community? What should it be? The Palestinians should be, we should be allowed to rebuild. Israel should be held accountable for what it's done. And for the future, it's up to Palestinians to decide our future. The time is over for Israel to be determining Palestinians' future. This is the essence of self-determination. And now is the time that we need to build upon this. We paid a very heavy price. It's now time for the world to give us our freedom. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Diana Butu, Yossi Mekelberg, Sultan Barakat, thank you for joining us on this edition of Inside Story. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Omikul Sum Sharif, Veronica Pedrosa, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Alexander Chigrin. The program was edited by Anna Savage, Zena Badar, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday for our next edition. This week on The Take, Guatemala's president-elect rode in on a wave of enthusiasm and surprise. But are the tides turning before his inauguration? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.